I don't know how you guys are when you go on vacation. Maybe you're excited, you finally get out and you're getting away from everything. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of you also, when you finally go on vacation, you realize uh, you take yourself with you. <laughs> and I found myself going on vacation, but some of the things have been building up inside of me. Uh, I'm thinking like, wow, I'm on vacation, but I took myself with me. And it was an interesting time of uh, just, you know, Seeing, um, seeing my son and his wife and talking with them, going to their church, and yet having time by myself, walking and talking to the Lord and just, you know, really wanting to see uh, people experience more of God, wanting to see more breakthroughs and more people feeling like they're delivered from different things that uh, just kind of hung on in their life. And uh, just coming back, I feel really excited about speaking um, I want to start this message uh, like a season of holiness, probably a couple of messages in the next couple of weeks. And I just, I believe that God's going to come to us. God's going to give us a fresh understanding of holiness and allow us to really see ourselves as holy. You know, sometimes when we come to church, you know, we're, uh, we're wrestling with different things. You know, we start a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have an experience and we start and you know, sometimes when we, in that initial experience, we have all this excitement and this faith that seems to be immediately deposited. That measure of faith sometimes seems so big when we accept Christ. We think like, well, everything's going to change. And then after a few uh, short time, we, we start getting a little disillusioned because we're not seeing things change as fast as we'd like them to. And I think sometimes we tend to take our eyes off Jesus. And we turned, the enemy comes subtly to try to discourage us that, you know, maybe this decision for Jesus isn't the fix-all for my life. But the reality is, it is. But there's, a, there's time it takes for God to work on us and restore us and change us. And that's the process of, being, uh, of having holiness really develop more in our life. I just want to start with the definition of holiness. It's separated uh, from evil. Anything set aside sacred for sacred use. And you know, when we accept Christ, we have allowed ourselves to be set aside. And God begins a, a deeper work of sanctification, cleansing, that is part of holiness so that God can use us. Uh, holiness is God's pure, loving nature. And so when we accept Christ, we are partakers of a new nature. We have an inheritance of, of holiness from God where we are now uh, partaking in something that's so different than what our life has been like, so, so different like than the things that have been done to us and our experiences in life. I don't know about you, but holiness is a word that can make make us feel uncomfortable. When you, when you first hear that word or being holy, does that make you feel a little uncomfortable? <clears throat> Think of uh, how Adam and Eve felt after they had sinned, scurrying in that garden to uh, find fig leaves uh, to cover themselves. And fig leaves are not very big. So can you imagine, you know, a holy God wanting to fellowship with his kids that he created and, and loved and, and realizing they're now separated? that they feel less than holy, they feel like they, they can't be around. And how many times Satan makes us feel like that as Christians? When the moment we accept Christ, we accept the full forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of relationship, but yet our feelings and emotions and our thoughts, they cause us to separate from the holiness that God makes us and the holiness he invites us to come into and experience. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about Esther this morning as, I, as I'm moving through this. And when you think about Esther, it's about approaching someone who's sacred and holy. Uh, Esther knew to approach the king, you had to be invited. 
And in Esther 14, uh, verse 16, the second part of the verse, Esther said, And so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther had Mordecai and the other Jews fast for her, and her servant girls, she had fast for her for three days, and she herself fasted because she was about to do something uh, for which she could uh, actually lose her life. In Esther 5, 1 and 2, it says, On the third day Esther put, out, put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the, of the palace in front of the king's hall, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her, and he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. You realize Jesus is holding out his hand, his scepter today to us, no matter what we feel like, no matter how we feel about ourselves or about our disappointments and where we should be in our relationship with God. And we could even be disappointed or angry at God today. But he's saying, I welcome you. I approve of you. I want you to come in to my presence. And so the Lord invites us. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. I think that's what's so important about, you know, attending a local church and being part of a local church, that every Sunday we come, it's an onward work of God working holiness in us, God taking all things that have uh, happened to us and uh, tried to uh, label us or define us for the week and discouragement that so easily come upon us and the Holy Spirit can take them off of us. And if our relationship with God begins to get clouded and uh, we begin to be blocked or uh, have misunderstanding, it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, God, uh, some things have come on me this week and some attitudes may have, maybe have come up or some disappointments have gripped my heart and I just need to get right with you. And that's these times about continually coming and obtaining grace, finding grace and obtaining it and appropriating it, finding the mercy we need when maybe we haven't been uh, as good as we'd like to have been. Maybe we missed in relationships or said wrong things or hurt people or got attitudes that this is a time where we come in and we're washed by the blood of Jesus. We're washed by the presence of God and we're renewed in our hope that we can, we can still have relationship with God. We can still come boldly before Him, not like Adam and Eve who are hiding from Him, but we can enjoy the presence and fellowship of a holy God. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing... And, you know, I don't know about you, but I have trouble sometimes keeping my eyes on Jesus. Again, because of, I think, dealing with myself, my personality, and the things I see in my, in my uh, weaknesses, I change focus so quick. And there's part of me in my natural man wants to see such changes in who I am that I don't have to deal with it. And yet, it's part of that uh, mixture of our spiritual life and our, and our natural life where we have to bring ourself wherever we are. And sometimes we'd like to keep that little stepchild <laughs> hidden away somewhere, but it's something that we deal with every day, and it's something that God welcomes because it's in the holy presence and grace of God that, that, that we're continually being transformed and changed. And so seeing with our spiritual eyes of faith, so seeing then that we 
have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And what is our confession? <clears throat> that we've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. That we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. We are seated in heavenly, heavenly place with Jesus. We, are we have an inheritance that's incorruptible. And we have a living relationship with the living God. And he lives inside of us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are resident in us. And so it gives us an ability to rise above our feelings and thoughts and to live with this expectation that things are going to work out for us. In Revelations uh, 1, uh, the second part of verse 5 through the first part of verse 6, it says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know, we're coming on this next month, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without the resurrection, we'd have no hope of heaven, eternal life, or holiness. And yet it is because we have been washed by the blood of Jesus. It is because Jesus took all of our sins of the past, our sins we're going to commit tomorrow, and he's put them away by nailing them to the cross and pouring out his blood for us so that we can walk in this confidence and and stepping right into holiness every moment of our life because we are loved by a God who sent Jesus to sacrifice for us. And verse 6 says, And Jesus has, that's past tense, no matter what we feel like today, we have been made kings and priests to God and our Father Jesus Christ has made us that, in that place of a king and a priest. And again, we can, again, disqualify ourselves, but Disqualifying ourselves is just uh, keeping us backward and keeping us from our positions and from the joy that God has for us. If you feel blocked from God's throne because of sin, again, the, the familiar scripture that should be something we memorize, 1 John 1, 9, this is from the Living Bible. If we confess our sins to Him, He can be depended on to forgive us. He can be depended on to forgive us. Again, when you confess something that you know is wrong and it's separating you from the holy presence of God, you can immediately let this verse be something that uh, gives you something to hang on to that you can be dependent on that Jesus is a forgiver. He, above any other person, knows how to forgive. And when he went to that cross and when he suffered for us, when he took upon the sins of the world and the darkness and, and the separation from God, he took it on himself so that we could be separated from it, so we could really come into understanding what it means to be forgiven, so we can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. You know, a lot of times our soul needs deep cleansing, and Satan triggers our memories and our feelings to keep us in feelings of unholiness, feeling dirty, feeling unclean, like, you know what, it wasn't enough what Jesus did on the cross because I'm feeling something, and that's really a lie. Jesus is not going to do any more for us, but we have to overcome our feelings and our thoughts by the truth of what Jesus has done for us and what the Word of God says that. <clears throat> Going on, it says, And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. He can be depended on to keep us in our holiness. You know, Isaiah experiences the holy God. It takes holy encounters with God that 
Help us to rise above whatever discourages us. And so that's why we seek so much to continually have experiences with the Holy Spirit, to experience His presence. Our soul uh, gets, gets pumped when we have a joyous time in feeling the presence of God. In Isaiah 6, 1, in the year it says that King Uzziah died, and I guess King Uzziah was a relative of Isaiah. And he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It's interesting that death and loss are processes in our life, and if we can get through them and not get stuck on what we've lost or what we're going through that seems like death, that God becomes visible to us. In the process of being refined by God, sometimes we can get very discouraged. Sometimes we can feel the pain of like, God, when is this trial or when is this test going to end? When am I going to get through this? When am I going to see the promises? But part of the restoration process that God's doing, part of the holiness he's working, part of the transformation and the healing of our soul is going through that death process. And like all of us, you know, nowadays, watching every commercial on TV, there's always a quick pill for anything that you're dealing with. And I think we, we get um, kind of attuned by our society and by marketing to not have pain. But pain is something that brings us through a process that God refines and, and reveals himself to us, and we are truly changed. In 2 Corinthians 4, 11, Paul reminds us that we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, that God is working something greater when we see the losses, just as we just read about Isaiah. When he went through the loss of King Uzziah, there was something that began to happen in, in his life. You know, telling you that I took myself on vacation, I was very disappointed that I took him with me. And uh, I remember that first night, it was like, it was either um, Thursday night or early Friday morning. I felt like God woke me up with this song we've been singing lately. And we saw it, sing it at MFI conference that week, just a couple days before I left. And um, I was at my kids' church. They were at the All People's Church in San Diego. And I was just feeling just really discouraged. And I, and I was thinking, God, wow, I remember last year when I was here, I felt the same way. I felt so discouraged. Tilling with myself. And the song came to me. It's the um, Raise a Hallelujah. The words came to me, Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Whatever death processes Isaiah was going through was going to bring him resurrection life. And God was saying to me, I didn't even know the things that were going to unfold in my heart and in my soul that week as I prayed and uh, talked to Dorian and wrestled with, wrestled with my own struggles. That, that was a promise God was saying, up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. My prayer was that, okay, God, I'm in this place and I don't see it ending inside of me. I don't see the struggle going away. But also, this prayer came up, God, if there's anything else 
that's got to be burned up, if, if there's anything else that has to die in me, if there's anything else that's keeping me from that resurrection life, let it happen. Don't give me a, a quick break from what I'm feeling and going through uh, just only to have to go back into a, a struggle or a transformation. But God, do that work in me so that I can really come out of this season. One thing I was disappointed in my kids' church, they had one box of Kleenex, and you have to grab them out of the box on the way into the church. I needed a box. I needed a box that day. Angels cry, holy is the Lord of hosts. In Isaiah 6, 2 through 4, above it stood a cherubim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. A strange creature caught up in the tall holiness of God. And uh, artists have tried to paint pictures of what that might look like, but Isaiah saw it. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you imagine? These are created beings. They're, they're at the most holy place uh, around the worship of God, in the holy glory light of God's presence. And yet they are so overwhelmed and however they're made up that they cry, Holy, holy, holy are you. Constantly, day and night, there is such an emotion, there is such a flood of holiness in the cry of who they are and how they're created to worship Him that they cry out, holy. And again, so, many, so often we get caught up in different things that uh, take away the atmosphere of God's presence and the holiness that we are entitled to experience and we are missing out. We're not pressing into the presence and seeing a holy God working in our unholy situations, working even in the places where we see the enemy uh, uh, um, stopping our advances and keeping us from getting the, pr the presence and the, the promises that God has for us. Holy, holy, holy. Angels are in awe of God's holiness. All around us is God's workmanship. We, if we could uh, even just get a moment like the angels, we would be in awe of what we live in, this world. Um, man, I love Ken Van Meter. When I'm around him, he's talking, he is so, so knowledgeable about creation and evolution, all that stuff that he's studied out and Man, he, he said, Do you, if you would realize if we had a few more degrees of, uh, of um, carbon dioxide, there would be no life. If we had too much more oxygen, there would be no life. There is such a delicate balance of how we live here. That is the awe of the power and the glory of God that's around us, that we have a holy God that even gives us the atmosphere in which we live the food which we eat, and we don't even understand it, but we eat stuff and somehow our body metabolizes it. We don't even think about it. We don't even strain to think like, if I don't uh, digest that carrot or that hamburger, I'm not going to be able to have strength to live. No, we just eat it and get moving. And it's the work of a holy God that created this body that is miraculous. And it should just, just create this atmosphere that just starts to release a worship from our hearts and a realization we are a holy people and we walk with a holy God. What challenges are you facing? What things have been diagnosed around you or your family that would steal the awe of God? And what, what is God going to do in this situation? Man, I had to kick myself because uh, I, I was aware like four years ago, five years ago, there was a situation and I was wondering how God was going to deal with it. 
And I was warning, and yet I had this faith that God was going to deal with it, and he did. Joe was taking me. We had a sump hole, a sinkhole problem, and he came, and uh, he got his son, and it, we took care of the sinkhole problem. I'm thinking like, yeah, God took care of it. And I'm thinking, where's my faith today? What is it that I, I'm holding back today? I'm wanting to see God do this breakthrough uh, for the church and for other things that, that is causing this unbelief to settle over me. It's just the reality of the things that we deal with. Everywhere around us is a signature to us of a holy God. The holiness of God. It should promote in us a holy reverence of who has decided to live inside of us. Verse 4 says, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. In um, our intercessory prayer yesterday, I mean Thursday, the, the girls were around and Bonnie kept saying, she kept saying that, uh, it's in Hebrews, I think, where it says, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And that's scary. We can have one thing that's shaking us and, and triggering our, is our faith going to last? Is the situation going to take me out of God? And I tell you, we get shaken when we feel overwhelmed when we're going through things that defy our own understanding. And those things defy that God is working in our life. And it's scary. But it says God is going to shake everything that can be shaken in our life. Why? Because so that we can see the glory of God. So we can see God as who he is. And he can shake those things that the enemy can use at any time to put in front of us and mess up our relationship with God or mess up or, or intervene in our faith in God. And sometimes you have to say with boldness, God, shake it out. Whatever else, whatever else is keeping me from seeing your glory, whatever else is keeping me from your will, whatever else is keeping me from being used by you, whatever else is keeping the gifts that you've put inside of me from being used, God, shake it. Lord, let it fall away. It says at the end, he's going to burn up everything that's not eternal and not going to go into the heavens. Things that people are going after today and seeking after are going to be burnt up when we are in the literal presence with God and we're facing eternity. May our hearts be filled Holy, by the Holy Spirit today. May the atmosphere of your presence, Lord, just create a new holiness inside of us. Personal holiness. The Holy Spirit brings us conviction, John tells us. Let's go back to Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, verse 5. So Isaiah said, he's just encountered God. King Uzziah is dead. Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah first had to see the Lord, then he could see himself. You know, sometimes we are just, again, by the enemy, we're just focused on our weaknesses. We're focused on the wretchedness of who we are, and we forget our focus has to be on God. Because only in that revelation of who God is can we then allow him to work on that which we don't like and we know he wants to change. Over the last few weeks, there's been a theme we've been talking about. Remember I talked a couple weeks ago, 
about Jesus saw the fishermen mending the nets. And remember, we, we felt like the Holy Spirit was talking that God wants to knit us together in our, in our relationship so that we become this net that God uses to bring in more people to get saved and then help them walk with God. And then, remember, the, the fishermen were out of their boats and they were mending their nets. And mending is that thing, letting God heal those things inside of us that keep us from loving people, that keep the love of God from flowing into us, and then having us in that right position to let the love of God flow back out of us so that we are in that place to reach people that are around us. The harvest that's white, ready to be picked. And so that washing of the nets, it says that we're washed by the blood of Jesus in Ephesians um, 5.26. And that's that part of mending that God's wanting to do, healing ourselves so that we can be a, a better tool, being able to dispense the love of God and the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Holiness begins with a revelation from the Lord. Again, Isaiah saw the Lord and saw he was unholy and unworthy. But we're not supposed to stay in that place a long time. We're supposed to apprehend and appropriate our holiness that's through Jesus Christ going to the cross. I thank my wife because this morning before I left, she, she reminded me of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. In Acts 9, 1, 6, here we have a religious man who thought he was serving God by persecuting the, the Christians, he was a very devout Jew who knew the scriptures. And Acts 9 talks about his story of meeting Jesus. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And he was approaching Damascus on this mission. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Again, the example that when we persecute each other, when we're offended with each other, we are hurting Jesus. And so Paul, he was getting arrested. He was getting a, a focus change on what he saw and how he looked at God's followers and how he looked at people. But that encounter changed him. But Paul knew that he had to deal with his old nature and it wasn't like it was a one-time thing, but his meeting Jesus put the perspective and put his priorities in order. He was going to always have to deal with his old nature, but he now had a relationship with the living Jesus. And in Romans 7, 24 and 25, Paul says this about himself, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this old man I take on vacation? The answer, he said, I thank God that through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Sometimes when we talk about holiness, we want to just be so perfect that we can just stay in God's presence and fly in this high all the time. But it's that work of faith. It's that tension between our flesh and our spirit that keeps us dependent on God. Otherwise, we, we just, Jesus, I got this. I'll just go do it all. Use my gifts, get people saved. And, but in our weaknesses, we're dependent on working out our salvation. We're dependent on the softening of our heart and the breaking up of hard ground and blocks that have accumulated in our life by relationships and hurts and things that we've gone through. That's why we need God and we need each other and we need God to work on us. Meeting Jesus was Saul to Paul's ongoing life of transformation. Every time people get close to the Lord, they see themselves. And I don't know, but for me, sometimes I get discouraged when I see myself. I so long to be more free than I am. Isaiah said, woe is me. Isaiah's voice connected to his revelation with God. Isaiah's work of holiness preceded his prophetic call. It is the Lord that makes us holy. In Isaiah 6, 6 and 7, Isaiah said, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isaiah experienced the moving from the old covenant into a new experience. And for us, it's moving from the Old Testament law and the thing put on us that the law says we have to fix ourselves or we have to change things before we can approach God. But Jesus did it all for us in the new covenant. And the writer of Hebrews 10.10 says this, and by that will, by our new covenant Christ, in Christ through his blood, we have been made holy through the sacrifices of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He's already done it for us. We have been made holy. If we know something about something, we act on it or enjoy it. If we really accept that we are already made holy, we're going to start living more like it. Our key verse for today is 1 Peter 1, verses 14 and 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is a pure one separated from evil. He's allowed us to still live here on earth in an unholy world. But he's praying that we would be delivered from Satan and the evil that's in this world. And he promises to keep working holiness inside of us. We're to keep practicing holiness. And we're going to see holiness manifested in our life. We move from personal holiness into that corporate holiness. In 1 Peter 2.5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he's working among us, knitting us together, building this trust and acceptance of who we are, getting comfortable with our, our deficits and with our weaknesses, and each of us bringing something that heals and supports each other where we're lacking. 
Jesus died to make the church holy. Ephesians 5, 6 tells us that. Holiness breaks out from the church and into the world. Holiness prepares us for service. In Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah said, after his experience, after that live coal experience, after that time, he came. what came on him was that a prophetic anointing to speak to the king and also to the people. He said, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah's revelation from God gave him a prophetic voice, gave him a spiritual gift that he now had the ability to use because there was a higher and greater purpose now in his life. He was now dispensing holiness. In Isaiah 6, 9, and he said, the Lord said to Isaiah, go and tell this people. So many times the enemy would keep us in our past, in our sins, and what he's not doing, and the promises not fulfilled, so that we have our eyes so down in our situations that we're not living in operation and walking in holiness with the king and going out into the world and affecting our world for Jesus. I believe if we really allow God to do that work of holiness and we live in that place of holiness, that we're going to be so affecting people, we're just going to keep glancing and noticing that the things that we're worried about are being taken care of because we have our eyes on Jesus and we're allowing him to move through our lives, through our vessels. We only have this brief time that we're here on earth to use who God has made us to be, to touch a dying world. And how many people would come to Christ because of who you are and what you would say to them?